You know, I don't know about, about you, but um, throughout, throughout my life, uh, I found myself in different places with God, sometimes closer to God and sometimes further away. When, when I was a, uh, a teenager and in high school, I was very active in the church and, and active in the youth group, and, and I felt this closeness to God that um, I thought would never leave me. And then I went off to college and drifted away from God and stopped participating in church and small groups and all of those things, and, and eventually found myself... Um, in a place where I still believed in God, but I didn't have that closeness to God. Uh, and then uh, sometime about 1989, um, we, we moved to St. Louis, uh, from Chicago to St. Louis, for me to take another job. And soon after that, uh, uh, Deb uh, quit her job so that she could uh, stay home and, and take care of our children as they adjusted to this change in life. And, and before long, um, we found ourselves, as life slowed down a little bit, we found ourselves entering back into a community of faith and, and truly seeking this connection with Christ. And, and I, remember, um, I remember sitting in worship one day um, a, a, as I was thinking and had been thinking for a, a little bit, you know, I, we had re-entered the church, we'd been going to Sunday school, our kids had become active in things, Deb was, was doing mothers of preschoolers, and all of these activities were going on, and yet I had this sense that there was something missing. I, I wanted this closeness to God that I had experienced at a youth, and, and for some reason I wasn't experiencing it, despite the fact that I was praying and, and reading Scripture and participating. And I, I was like, what in the world is going on? God, I want this closeness again. Am I never going to feel this again? And, and I heard um, this um, uh, distinct nudge or felt this distinct nudge you just need to put one foot in front of the other and begin to allow the grace and the love that you have received to overflow from you. In other words, as I, as I listened, I, I heard God saying, it's great that, that you're seeking after me, that you're praying, that you're participating in these devotionals, but, but you will never feel you will never feel that closeness and that, that, that closeness of God's presence until you put into action these practices and this faith to which you aspire. Until you begin to serve in this community of faith, until you begin to serve in your community, until you become the hands and feet of Jesus. And I can tell you that, that throughout, uh, from, from that time forward, uh, it began first by me participating in Stephen Ministry, and, and eventually uh, we participated in Marriage Encounter and Bible Study and teaching Sunday School and doing things in the community. Uh, but I can, can tell you that as I began to use the gifts and the skills that God had given me to, to, to take those things in which God had empowered me through the Spirit to, to make a difference in the lives of other people until I began to put those into practice. Uh, there, there was still something missing. You see... All that God does for us and works in us, this whole idea of spiritual formation, this whole idea of us being aware of God's presence, of receiving God's love, of studying and learning of what it means to live and to love like Jesus, it's all for the sake of other people. 
It's not just so that we are, are nice trophies that, uh, that one day uh, stand in heaven or statues and God says, look at that person there. They became such a, a, a morally upright person. No, you see, uh, we are changed and shaped. We are formed so that we might truly make a difference in the lives of other people here and now so that we might participate in what God is already doing in His kingdom work. And so I just want to remind us on this day um, that it is important for us uh, not just to uh, practice prayer and Scripture, but it is also important for us to understand where God might be calling us. And, and I invite us to hear a couple of passages Uh, First, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city on top of a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people, so they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. These are the words that Jesus used at the beginning of of the Sermon on the Mount and His great teaching. And they were a reminder that as He unpacked the the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, that it was for the purpose of us being a light to the world, examples of Christ's love overflowing with His grace. In the same way as we look at Ephesians chapter 2, we read these or chapter 3, we read these words that Paul wrote about himself as he talks about his own ministry. And beginning in verse 2 of chapter 3, he says this. You, are, you have heard, of course, about the responsibility to distribute God's grace, which God gave to me for you, right? You've heard about this. God showed me his secret plan in a revelation. As I mentioned briefly before, and when you read this, you'll understand my insight into the secret plan about Christ. Earlier generations didn't know this hidden plan that God has now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets through the Spirit. This plan is that the Gentiles would be co-heirs and parts of the same body and that they would share with the Jews in the promises of God in Christ, Jesus through the gospel. I became a servant of the gospel because of the grace that God showed me through the exercise of his power. God gave his grace to me, the least of all God's people, to preach the good news about the immeasurable riches of Christ to the Gentiles. Indeed, as we hear these words this morning, Um, May we reflect on how we might be called to dispense God's grace. I love the way Paul puts this in Ephesians uh, chapter 3. He says, you've heard about this responsibility that we have to dispense grace. Um, And and he goes on to say, this is how he understands his whole ministry. He has received God's grace and he has received God's love. and, And he understands that the way God works in the world is that he anticipates that this love and this grace, it will overflow from us onto the people that we encounter in the world. 
He understands his whole ministry to be about dispensing grace upon others. In fact, in the Gospels, when Jesus sends out his disciples uh, before his death and he sends them out to ministry, he sends them out to these different cities and, and he says to proclaim that the kingdom has come and to participate in the, the healing and the reconciliation of people within these ta- towns. In other words, to dispense God's grace and God's God's love upon the people. Uh, Paul used the gifts that he had been blessed with uh, to do that throughout his entire lifetime. And God calls each of us uh, to be this shining light uh, that, that not only speaks about God, but also puts into practice the teachings of Jesus Christ. Uh, now, you know, as I said earlier, what I have discovered throughout life, I think since, since 1989, I have, uh, we, we have just sought to, to pay attention to where God leads us and guides us and the places in which He calls us to serve and to use our gifts. And the one thing that, that I have learned is that in different seasons, God has called me to do different things. Uh, when we had younger kids, uh, we were more connected to families and we could minister to families. And in coaching my daughter's uh, softball team, it enabled me to be around a group of people that I would not have been in contact with. A- and I saw that as an opportunity to reach out and connect with other people. Uh, likewise, in, in work, um, I also had the opportunity to connect with people uh, that I wouldn't normally see. And then as our kids got older and, and they left the, the house, I, we found ourselves less drawn uh, necessarily to ministries around uh, kids and families, but to ministries uh, of folks who, in marriage and in participating in marriage encounter and sharing our own lessons that we have learned in, in trying to uh, live in this marriage relationship with Christ in the middle of it and trying to help other folks who who find themselves in the same place. And then at some point in time, in some point in time, I felt this call to, uh, to begin uh, heading toward pastoral ministry. And again, I'm always amazed at, at how, uh, if I pay attention to God's Spirit... And I move and, and move toward the nudges that God has put in place. Um, not only the difference that it can make in other people's lives, but the difference it makes in my own life. And so, while it is hard as we think about uh, as we think about what does it mean to serve God, while it may be hard, there's not a um, there's not a, a blueprint that everybody can have because it depends on the. The place we are in the season of life. There, is a, a, there are a few things that I have learned that apply no matter what season of life we are in. When we are trying to discern where God is nudging us and, and calling us and gifting us to participate in, in serving other people in helping other people, in making a difference in their lives. And so uh, these are the things that I have learned. These are the things that I think Jesus reflected in his own ministry. And the first of which we've actually talked about for a couple of weeks, if we are going to uh, serve God, if we are going to make a difference in the lives of other people, if we're going to truly live and love like Jesus, the first place we need to start is we need to take time to talk to God 
and to spend with God. We need to never lose sight of that. It always begins in prayer and devotion and study and gathering for worship. It always begins with us being sure that we are connected to the source of that love and that grace because when we are connected to the source of that love and that grace, uh, we will not run out. We will continue to receive God's grace and it can flow from us onto the lives of other people. And so we should never lose sight of that. The other thing that I have learned is it's important. It indeed is important to look at where we are and what phase of life we are in and to look at the people who are already around us. It always does us good to to stop and pay attention and, and understand how God has gifted us and what abilities He has given us and what opportunities that God has created for us just because of the people whom we are already connected with whether it be at work or in organizations, whether it be um, in sports or what our kids may be doing, it's important for us to stop and pay attention to where we are and continue to ask God, so how might I live and love with you in the midst of my everyday, ordinary life? See, I think sometimes when we think about service to God, we look for these extraordinary ways, but my experience has been it is in the ordinary living of life that we are given the greatest opportunity to serve God and to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so it's important for us to stay connected to God. It's important for us to look around. It is important for us to slow down and be willing to be interrupted. Does that make sense? In other words, it is important for us in our daily encounters not to be so caught up in our agendas and what we have that we miss out on opportunities that God puts in place of us. Look at Jesus' own life. Have you ever thought about it? Have you read through the Gospels and looked at Jesus' encounters with other people? If we, if we read and pay attention, we will discover that very few of Jesus' encounters with other people are planned events. Jesus is on this journey with the disciples. Sometimes He's going to Galilee, sometimes to Jerusalem, sometimes He's just teaching His disciples. And often they encounter people on the way and Jesus' plans are interrupted. And what does Jesus do? Uh-uh, nope, I'm sorry. I know that you all came over here to hear some more teaching, but I was going to get away with the disciples, and we're going to go up to a mountaintop, and, and you all are going to have to wait. That's not what happens when he feeds the 5,000, is it? Uh, he's, he's at the well taking a break while the disciples go to get food. He's probably just thinking, I want a little peace and quiet. I'm going to rest while the disciples are going. Along comes this woman to draw water from the well, and, and he feels this nudge from the Spirit, speak, engage. And he does. Over and over again in Scripture, we see how Jesus has these encounters with people as He's going about His everyday normal life. How sometimes and often they interrupt what He already had planned and we see Jesus stopping. Setting His agenda aside. To listen 
and to engage the people that he encounters. To pay attention to what they're saying and where they are and what their hurts and their pains are. To to connect and, and engage them. And then often we see out of that engagement and out of that listening, Jesus doesn't wait for this opening Right? He doesn't wait for this opening that says, uh, uh, well, well, let me tell you uh, it's time to come to Jesus. You need to say this prayer and everything will be okay. He, he doesn't have this formula that he pulls out of his pocket and, and he can whip out and he can say to folks. Instead, he listens to them, he pays attention, and, and he ministers to them where they are. He hears their hurts and their pains and he seeks to to touch those and to relieve those and to bring some healing and hope into their lives. And so it is important for us as we seek to understand what it means to serve God and to serve others, it is important for us to stop and to listen, to set aside our agendas, to truly care and listen to other people. Take time to get to know them. Take time to hear their stories. And then just be willing to allow the Spirit to speak in and through us in whatever ways we discern that they might experience God's love and God's grace. It may not even require us to say Jesus' name. It may just require us to silently remain by them and to hear them and to let them know that there is someone else in this world who cares. Another thing that I think it's important for us to do as we seek to understand what it, what it means to serve God and to make a difference in the lives of other people is we need to be willing to get our hands and feet dirty. We need to be willing to get our hands and feet dirty. Again, look at Jesus' own ministry. Um, At the Last Supper, we see Jesus kneeling and washing the feet of His disciples. I don't think we think about that too often. But in His days, you know, people's feet were not the cleanest thing in the world. They didn't wear socks and shoes. They wore sandals. And so one of the things that folks often did when they came, and especially to dine, were that the servants of the household would wash people's feet so that all the dust would be off of them and and it would be like this refreshing that it would bring to them. And we see in this passage that Jesus washes the feet of His disciples. Even washing the feet of Judas. The one who would betray him. We also see Jesus. We, we don't, again, we don't think of this because this is, is odd. We see Jesus touching lepers and touching people um, who were, who were um, sick and ill. In Jesus' day, uh, that was forbidden. To touch somebody who was sick, to touch somebody who was a leper, was to risk that you would be made unclean by touching them. And instead what we see is is Jesus touches them instead of their uncleanness wearing off on Jesus, Jesus heals them. Jesus makes a difference, a true difference in their life, giving them hope and reconnecting them to a community. 
You see, serving God and serving others doesn't have to be this grand and glorious thing. It can be the things we do in our everyday life. And yet I also think, while it's important for us to look around and see the people that we are already connected with, to understand the groups that we're already in, to to look at our own gifts and how they might be utilized to serve God through the church and outside the church, it is also important for us uh, to look and to make room for people who look different than us. It is important for us to also share with the marginalized of society. Oftentimes, uh, they are not in our circles, and as a result, we don't even know truly what their needs and necessities are uh, because we don't even have relationships with them. And yet again, if we look at what Jesus did, he ministered to people at the margins. He ministered uh, to those who were sick. He, He welcomed women and children who were marginalized in his day. He ate with sinners, with tax collectors, with with people that religious folks weren't supposed to encounter, and yet he created space to encounter them, not just space to spend with folks from the synagogue. And then the other thing, if we're going to live in this world and we're going to make a difference in the lives of others by serving God and serving others, we need to learn to love our enemies. We need to learn to engage those who who push our buttons. We need to learn to engage those with whom we would not normally engage or who might be opposing us, just as Jesus did. In all of this, in all of this, It doesn't require us to do grand and glorious things again. It simply requires us to pay attention to the Spirit. To pay attention to how God has already gifted us and graced us. To look around uh, the community and in our own lives. And and in going about our everyday ordinary lives, instead uh, of trying to compartmentalize them, which is so often what we do, uh, we have our worship life and we have our uh, leisure life and our work life. Instead of of having these all in silos, God invites us uh, to integrate them all together. And to see all of life as an opportunity to dispense God's grace and love. How indeed might the world look different if we simply looked around our neighborhoods, at the people in our neighborhoods, and began to get to know them. We began to take time to listen to their stories and to share God's love and grace. What would happen if in the workplace... Uh, Instead of acting like everybody else in the midst of conflict and and yelling and screaming and calling names, what would happen if we were a calm presence? If we were a calm presence that, that pointed to Christ and acted as Jesus might act. This, I assure you, We will never know the fullness of life that God has in store for us 
until we learn to live our everyday lives in connection with Jesus, until we learn to not only receive the love and grace, but also to allow it to flow through us so that it is dispensed to the people around us. And the one thing that I have learned is that as I, as I share that love and that grace, while I have seen times that it makes a difference in the lives of other people, I also see how it has made a difference in my own life. And I experience this closeness and this presence of Christ that cannot be described by words. This knowledge that God is with me, surrounding me, empowering me by His Holy Spirit, enabling me to participate in His kingdom work so that other people might experience that love and that grace. And so this Lenten season, I invite each of us to simply take some time and to think about our everyday, ordinary life. There's some helps back there at the table that uh, Kobe has created um, that might get us to begin to think about the people we already are connected with and the people who we need to make room with. And so you're invited to uh, take, those, uh, take those home and to reflect upon them more this week. Pay attention to the Spirit and where the Spirit might be nudging you to look around, to welcome the interruption, to get our hands and feet dirty, and to reach out to those whom we may not normally connect with, even as we minister to those whom we already know. I invite us to hear these words from Teresa of Avila. She lived in the 1500s, and this is the word she wrote. Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are the body. Christ has no body on earth but yours. That's how God chooses to make a difference in the lives of other people.